UpToDate wants to know what you're talking about with family and friends. You can text UTD to 816-601-4777 to tell us. Again, 816-601-4777. This is Up to Date on KCUR 89.3. I'm Brian Ellison. It's the start of a new year for city government, and not just any year. It's a municipal election year as Kansas City's entire city council, along with the mayor, will be up for election. Frankly, they've got plenty of business to do before even that happens in April. Joining us to talk about some of what the city is facing right now is Kansas City Mayor Quentin Lucas. Welcome, Mr. Mayor. Good morning. It's good to talk to you. Always a pleasure. And all of that business can wait for a moment because I do want to ask you, just as I did with the guests in the first half of our show today, what does this holiday weekend honoring Martin Luther King Jr. mean to you, Mayor Lucas? To me, it it is important to look at not just service, that is an important part, but to look at where we've been and where past challenges are. As you know, here in Kansas City this week, we've had a conversation about reparations, which to me, being more than money, is to look at what did we do wrong here in Kansas City. And there is a lot from our founded in 1850 as a slave, not just city, but community in a slave state, to segregation era laws that existed well into the middle of the 20th century. For me, it's how we can continue to atone and do better. And I try to take time every weekend, every Martin Luther King weekend, to see not just what he had written and said in the past about what it is we need to do, but the challenges that exist in 2023 for us to continue to make sure this community is, this community can be better. You know, uh, you and I obviously weren't alive when Dr. King was assassinated, but uh, we've been hearing these stories from, from elders who, who were and who remember that and that period in history. How, how do you think that period becomes relevant, uh, meaningful to, uh, to, to people today, especially younger generations? I think that we have to continue to be real, to be honest about the challenges that we still face. I think the thing that is the greatest threat to us sometimes in American society is when people act like some of the sins of the past have been magically resolved. But when you look at things in Kansas City, like the Truce Divide, like news this week about how 20% of our third graders in KCPS and KCPS charters are reading at uh, not grade level. That is, I'm sorry, reading at grade level, meaning 80% or not. I think that these are the sorts of things that we have to ask, why is that the case and how we can do better and how, just because something exists in the world, how it it actually can be changed. Mm -hmm. And so for me, it's about explaining that to young people, to new generations, sharing with people that these things aren't just the way it is, the way it has to be. We don't have to live in a world of violence. We don't have to live in a world of blight. And I think us making sure that we speak to everyone about how these things can be better gets us to that message of Dr. King. I mean, I'm, I'm one of those who often thinks about his work most about poverty and how so much of our struggle for civil rights, for equal rights, for so many in our country relates to actually having real conversations, not just about how we break down laws that may segregate, but how we build communities that allow for opportunities for all. We are still not there. And I think that's something that young people can understand, can relate to, and frankly, want to do more work on. How will you be observing this uh, this holiday this year? I will be spending time in two different locations. There is at Metropolitan Missionary Baptist Church a, a citywide service, one that has a number of ministers and folks I know here in Kansas City, Missouri. I will do that. I also will stop by the Johnson County NAACP's observance ceremony that is also the same evening to visit with a lot of folks 
to really share, I think, a consistent message. One, we are one community. Our solutions come from both sides of the state line, from any number of groups. And importantly, to talk about the changes in the past, the changes that we need to build a better future. Through the weekend itself, I know that uh, service is a big part of the discussion. I expect myself to take part. I don't know where exactly I'll be on Monday, but uh, it is a city holiday, so I expect to be out and about in the community. I'm not just thanking those who serve, but taking part in it myself. Well, let's turn to some of the business of the day, as it were. Uh, Mayor Lucas, let's talk about a couple of issues that this week the city council voted to put on the April ballot alongside all those votes for mayor and city council. It's not every uh, council that invites people to consider raising taxes at the same time that they're voting on their potential reelection. But here we are. Uh, One of the taxes is on recreational marijuana, a 3 percent sales tax for the city on top of the 6 percent sales tax the state will already be collecting. What's the thinking there? The thought there is a very simple one, and we certainly recognize that taxes can sometimes be difficult things to have on the ballot with candidate elections, but we believe that the people of Kansas City will see the rationale. First, in connection with the marijuana sales tax, much of the discussion when it was a statewide question in Missouri was about the fact that, oh, this can be a a positive for our communities, for the state of Missouri and for our cities. Kansas City, along with a number of other cities that are exploring it, Raytown, Independence, Blue Springs, Sugar Creek, Grand view is looking to make sure that as we are seeing these new revenues, how do we actually address long-term underfunded issues? For us in Kansas City, Missouri, that looks like addressing homelessness, which does not have a general fund line item. And each year we're trying to find money, often too late in the year, to address certain homelessness issues. Violence prevention, particularly outside of KCPD. How do we make sure we have money for conflict resolution, for violence interrupters, the sorts of things that we say are important, but that we don't find good funding sources for? And finally, dumping and illegal trash pickup is something that has been very important for us to address these issues. So for us, the the timing of it wasn't so much the important part as much as it was there's a need. There is a very real concern now. I think it is important for us to start Uh, filling the budget gaps that we have on those issues. Mm -hmm. And that's why we look to have that uh, addressed in April. Yeah, And why those particular issues? I mean, uh, there's obviously many other areas where there are budget gaps. Is is it just because there's a need in there? Or are there things that you think recreational marijuana users should especially be asked to support? Well, this is all funding, actually, despite the seeming difference in the areas that's going to the Department of Public Health. And our health director, Dr. Marvia Jones, our health department and health commission have identified in their blueprint for violence the things that are consistently challenges in our community. And frankly, perhaps surprising to some, those are the key areas that we don't actually invest enough in root cause violence prevention in Kansas City. We don't invest enough in our homelessness prevention. And so there is that nexus. But I am not saying that yeah, marijuana users, it's their burden to solve all crime, to solve all homelessness, to solve all illegal dumping, or that marijuana use leads to those harms. But I think we wanted to say, how can we look at health, at public health, in the broadest sense, And these were the issues that have consistently risen to the top of our concerns in Kansas City, consistently been underfunded in ways very distinct and different from, say, I know there are some listeners who may say KCPD is underfunded, but we all recognize they have a $294 million budget request this year. So while there may be a debate, there's a lot of resource going to that. Homeless prevention has a $0 budget allocation this year. This helps us address that sort of thing. And specifically, how will you address it? If suddenly, as as is predicted, uh, 
you know, a, hundred, a million dollars or two and a half million dollars is now yep. being directed to homelessness prevention each year. What programs would that go to support? It goes to support a few different things. This year at City Council, out of the general revenue of the city, we, we allocated roughly $1.2 million. Some of that goes to helping to support shelters that provide housing for a number of people in our community. I think long term, and this has been a subject of debate before, we need to get more low barrier to entry shelters. These are the example is the tiny homes village that's at the Veterans Community Project. The biggest pushback in recent years has been, of course, by some, but they don't want it in their neighborhood, but they want it somewhere. We need to have that challenging conversation in Kansas City once and for all about where we will put it and create that opportunity for folks who perhaps don't want to be full-time, let's say, at a shelter opportunity or even in intermediate housing that's more permanent and structured, but will find themselves in a place like that where they both can get resources, where they have access to things like transportation and healthcare, and where I think it's up to the city at this point to say, all right, we are going to find a place that helps you get from living on the streets to a place that allows you to transition. That is not the biggest cost in the world, but that is something that we would look to fund for this. That conversation has been frustrated in recent years, usually when everybody starts shouting, not in my backyard. Mm -hmm. The other ballot measures will be a couple of taxes aimed at short-term rentals like Airbnbs in the city. That's an issue that's generated a lot of heat over the last couple of years. Mayor, what motivated you and the council to act right now? On short-term rentals, it has been a substantial problem in our city because we came up with a bunch of rules, I think circa 2018, and then we never enforced them. So you have thousands, thousands of unlicensed Airbnbs in Kansas City that lead to a few ills, right? There's the obvious house party, crime, trash sorts of things that are happening in a number of places. But more to that, you have seen extreme gentrification in our community. I, as someone who was looking for a home in the 3rd District not long ago, remember when I would go to neighborhoods like Mannheim Park, Squire Park, and beyond, would see the fact that there were all these houses that were being bought up, but not that many more residents permanently living within them. Mm -hmm. That's because we have more and more Airbnb owners that are owning 40, 60, 80 houses, basically are operating as hoteliers but aren't actually right engaged in neighborhoods the same way and are pushing out housing opportunities for people in the core of our city, particularly in the core of our city, Midtown, East Side, even the Brookside area in Kansas City. So it is our hope right now that we start to address both our regulation backlog, largely through taxation, making sure that if you're not registered, you still got to pay or else you're committing a crime. We're making sure that we actually address the issue of not just seeing a proliferation of these units. And importantly, we are making sure that if you are actually operating like a hotel or motel, you're paying taxes, fulfilling the duties, just like a hotel and motel would. This had virtually unanimous support on the council. The plan is to increase the per-night occupancy fee for all hotels and motels and to apply it to these short-term rentals and also to charge them a 7.5% tax, similar to what hotels and motels already pay. I mean, maybe, Mayor, the question is, why did it take so long? (laughs) I think that's a very fair question. Uh, And there is this with government. I think that um, we're behind often in kind of new idea types of ways and and how we regulate. And what do I mean by that? When Uber came to town, we were trying to regulate it as a core kind of taxi function, running into a number of issues and how we did that. And I think Airbnbs are no different. At first, right, Airbnbs and, and VRBOs and all the others came on with people kind of saying, oh, I'm just renting out an extra room. Perhaps if I have a carriage house, then I'm, I'm, I'm adding to that. What we have largely seen is this is a substitute 
substitute for hotels and motels. And I'm not saying it's a bad one, right? Many of us who have families may like to be in a home rather than just, uh, you know, in the Lowe's hotel. That being said, I think it is important that if it is a substitute area and if it does create a number of arms, including folks that are leaving out tin bags of trash after a weekend of partying in a neighborhood mm-hmm. residential area, then I think we need to address it. So I, I do think that we have been too slow. I think you started to hear and see a groundswell of neighborhood concerns, and a lot of folks have, have spoken of this. Councilman Eric Bunch, I know, had a forum in the Roanoke neighborhood about this a few weeks ago. And I think we finally at City Hall said, you know, it's time to act. Importantly, though, that action requires the voters, and so that's why we're looking to get it on the ballot as soon as possible. Let's take a call from Sean in Kansas City. Sean, welcome to Up to Date. Hey, thanks for having me. Hey, Mayor, I was just uh, wanting to know about the bike lanes on Truman Road uh, yep. and the businesses being impacted by it. And what we uh, what's the plan to help these businesses get back to business as usual? Thanks so much, Sean. Yeah, the, the bike lane issue has been is has been an interesting one, and one that I think I foresaw some months ago, and others uh, who have as well. I think the concern on Truman Road and in perhaps some other areas of the city is that we have done insufficient communication and collaboration up front with certain communities where bike lanes were going in. I myself was on Truman Road the other day. I stopped in at a wonderful diner, Porsches. I encourage you all to go. And I asked them, what did you know about it? And they said, we didn't know anything about the bike lanes coming in until one day we saw people in a construction crew doing them. That was unacceptable. That is unacceptable. I know right now our director of public works, our city manager, and others are meeting with business owners in the area to address a few issues that I've heard a lot of. One, how do we make sure that there are good parking alternatives? How is there sufficient signage to make sure that people are safe? And importantly, for things like regular drop-off and pickup, how do you make sure that can be done in a safe manner? I think that that's what we are trying to do, and we'll make sure that as we go through all of those changes, that there is open, ample discussion to everyone in the neighborhood organization. The biggest mistake sometimes we make at City Hall is that we visit with one kind of narrow group in a neighborhood, and maybe that's 10 to 15 people who are very important and valuable people, but they may not speak for the 500 or so or the thousands that are impacted. Mm. We're trying to redo that. We regret the failures of the past in doing so, but I think that'll help us address the Truman Road bike lane issue going forward. And importantly, as we see perhaps an expansion in the network going forward, how we address it further. I will note that between now and April, um, we are having a bit of a moratorium on bike lanes and the production of new bike lanes to make sure we can get these things right going forward. We'll be right back. Let me change subjects here, Mayor, to a police department, the Board of Police Commissioners, of which you are a member. Last month hired Stacy Graves as the new police chief, hiring from within after a nationwide search. You had raised some questions about the hiring process, but you also said you thought Chief Graves was the most qualified of the finalists. Uh, we're almost a month into her service. Do you have an early assessment of that work so far? I do have an early assessment of her work. Actually, before the uh, call with you today, I was on with a group by the name of Urban Summit on a Zoom where Chief Graves, and something that I believe uh, her predecessors never did, at least for the last several predecessors, was talking to people like Gwen Grant, Bishop James Tyndall, some of our strongest civil rights activists in the community who've had very strong questions about policing in Kansas City. She cannot solve all the world's problems in 25 days, and I don't think she would contend that she has done so, but what she has done 
is visited with people like Alvin Brooks, who was just on, visiting with Gwen Grant, visiting with lots of black community leaders and saying, we recognize we need to do better. How can we do better? She has made very real changes that get some officers out of police headquarters and back onto the streets, because when you want 911, you want an actual response, not more administration. And so I think she is performing admirably here to start. Yeah. I know there will be many challenges. We have another budget discussion to come up, but I'm expecting a lot from Chief Graves, and I have high hopes that her voice is a welcome change to police department administration, not just as our first female police chief, which is something that I think was long overdue, but also as someone who is listening to and trying to truly answer for past concerns with KCPD and trying to lay out a path for how we can do better. State voters, of course, approved uh, increasing the mandatory amount the city has to budget for police, even as the city force continues to be under the authority of that state-appointed board. Is it becoming clear to you, Mayor, what the implications of that increased budget mandate will be? Is that going to change things or put uh, some other strain on the city budget? Well, I mean, here's the story. This was this was a, a political effort to uh, support a conservative politician in his dreams one day to become either our attorney general or senator or governor, uh, somebody who doesn't live in Kansas City. You're speaking like of uh, Senator Tony Lutkemeyer of Parkville. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. And, you know, I, I get political games. I think it's disappointing and frustrating that that game uh, requires Kansas Cityans to not have the same rights of everybody else in Missouri. In terms of strain on the budget, I think it does create a strain on the budget, particularly when Kansas City is trying to get to zero-based budgeting. And I'll describe that briefly, which is that we're trying to build out, all right, what are our costs each year? What do we need to allocate from? What's the biggest priority as opposed to just looking at last year's budget and putting a 4% increase, let's say, on everything, which is how KCPD does its budgeting. I think it leads the Kansas City Police Department itself, actually, not to be creative in how we can pay its officers the best, how they can pay for 911 dispatchers, because, frankly, they're just not asking that question. They're instead saying, all right, we're almost $300 million, but we need this much more. That has done them a disservice for years, and I think if you talk to KCPD, they'd say they're under-budgeted despite these increases. To me, what we really need to do is have more collaboration, more local voice, and fundamentally local control so that if, for example, you and I are saying, well, we've had a rash of break-ins in this area for years, maybe we should do something to address it, they're actually allocating budget dollars to do that rather than just having this bloated, big government-type budget. What is astonishing to me is Republicans, who when I grew up were small government people, are the ones that are just saying, let's just increase this budget with no responsibility, with no checks, and with really no positive benefit long-term to the people of Kansas City. And, And sadly, you see that in our crime statistics, 911 call answer times each and every day. Mayor, there was a speaking of uh, emergency calls, there was a pretty scary report this week that Councilman Brandon Ellington was being threatened by a man with a rifle broadcasting himself walking around Ellington's neighborhood on Facebook Live. Now, that man was arrested. Mayor, are you worried about the safety of public officials in Kansas City? I think that since the pandemic, we've dealt with issues relating to the fact that uh, folks not only have incredible access to firearms in this part of the country, but also actually are, are getting angrier and are taking out more threats, I think, not just on social media, but sometimes in person with elected officials. I do have concern. I mean, there's a man walking the streets with something that appeared to be an assault weapon. I understand that his family has contended it was not long term and using slurs to describe Councilman Allenton and uh, giving a threat to both the councilman and his family. I think we are seeing more of that these days. Myself, I've 
I've received threats over time. And so it is something that I wish we would see less of, but short of that, we'll continue to work with KCPD. We'll continue to work with every council office and all of the candidates who may not be on council, by the way, and or mayor, uh, to make sure that they can be safe as we go through a normal democratic process. I think a lot of the aggravation we've seen at the federal level is coming down to local government now, and it is concerning. We have about 30 seconds left, Mayor. You're up for re-election in April. A uh, perennial candidate, Clay Chastain, says he wants to replace you. Uh, should voters decide to return you to office for another four-year term, what's the number one priority for you? What will the second term be that maybe the first term hasn't been? Number one priority remains delivering on basic services for the people of Kansas City. When I ran, we weren't resurfacing as many roads. We weren't paying our workers enough. We weren't addressing homelessness. We weren't building new affordable housing in the city. Now we're doing a lot more, but I continue to believe basic services is the most important thing we do. and It's the prerequisite to being able to have World Cups and every big thing. you got to take care of the people in this city and hope that our population grows because of it. That is Kansas City Mayor Quentin Lucas uh, joining us to talk about uh, MLK Day, but also about uh, the, the things going on in the city every day. Mayor Lucas, thanks so much for taking time with us this morning. Thank you. Have a great weekend. Up to Date is a production of KCUR 89.3. Our theme music was composed by the great Bobby Watson. The program is produced by Zach Wilson, Elizabeth Rees, Reginald David, and Zach Perez, with help from Hannah Cole. Our engineer is Paul Nakatura. I'm Brian Ellison, in for Steve Kraske. Thanks for listening.